in. But first, uh, as our guest, Brandon, um, would you prefer the English or the German version of our theme song? Oh, I'll take the German. Fuck yeah. Einstein Hunter Frankfurt. Einstein Hunter Frankfurt. Dog Zone 9000, the official podcast of the 1900 Hot Dog website. I'm uh, Sean Baby, and with me, uh, as always, is my um, very erotic and handsome co writer, Robert Brockway. Uh, I prefer I prefer hunky. Uh, I'll settle for steamy. Uh, I do not accept erotic. Uh, you will have to try this again. All right, we'll, we'll take it from the top. Einstein, take it one more time from the top. You know what? I, we don't have time. You're gonna have to stick with erotic. Uh, well, I'll remember for next time. Under you protest, wanted, uh... under duress. <laughs> Let the record show. We'll get through it. The and hunk, our the guest hunky today Robert Brockway. is fellow cracked alum, comic writer, and comedy writer Brendan McGinley, the gentleman bastard. Welcome to the show. It's good to be here and using my radio voice. Oh no! <laughs> I, I oh, was no. kind of doing that, and I apologize. I'll. I'll I, it's really hard to like just go from regular to like talking on a podcast without sort of like shadow Stevensing it. So uh, apologies. I'll fix that in editing too. I like to uh, give it a little Jimmy Chonga. That's my favorite. Radio. <laughs> Is that a real person? Uh, yeah, he was the DJ. He was the classic rock guy in Portland, at least when I, I lived oh, there. Man. Might have been after your time. But yeah, Jimmy Chonga, best DJ name. And uh, I say this yeah. as a person that hates all DJs and wishes they would die. Yeah, there's like a lot of like sarcastic wit in that like like his his manager's like oh you got to come up with a dj name he's like fuck you jimmy chonga then like, <laughs> it has nothing to do with anything he does but he's it's just it's the only one i will accept he's the only dj i respect uh perhaps brendan mcginley notwithstanding right you know he's got a fantastic radio voice as a as an unremarkable stand-up comic I have a theory that all morning radio DJs are unremarkable stand-up comics, just kind of slouching into an easier gig. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of failure conditions in a. Yeah, they as bring a that DJ. improv. They bring it's, that improv energy. You can't fail out of that job. All you have to, hey, you know, the traffic's backed up this morning. Let's go see what's going on. What's with this President Clinton? <laughs> you, can you believe this Clinton fella? Come on. Oh, I'm the only one that. <laughs> anyway, DJ what does. else? What else? Crack.com says. Looking at my uh, list of holidays, it's National Donut Day. <laughs> That's a dumb one. Uh, I do this every day, and I'm always astounded how dumb these stupid holidays are. <laughs> I just liked when they would steal your articles, every word of it, and just sit there and read them on the air. And like not attribute them to you at all. I wrote this. I wrote all of this. Right. They stole this. your articles? Oh, they nobody ever stole my articles. articles. Very, very routinely. Mine were mostly just swears about Glenn Beck, so I don't think anybody really, uh, professional courtesy, I guess. Uh, Yeah, I bet they have stolen your articles. You just haven't found them yet. (laughs) You don't don't hunt DJs uh, at an amateur level like I do. 
Semi-pro. <laughs> I'm shooting for semi-pro something. Jimmy Tonga, look behind you. Okay, uh, <laughs> today on the show, <laughs> we are going to be hunting Jimmy Chonga. But after that, we are going to uh, be talking about uh, hunting the something, <laughs> something Brendan is an expert at, which is comic books. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about um, crazy comic book story arcs chosen almost entirely at random. Like we started with a theme and that just went to shit instantly. So we're each going to bring our own, not favorite comic arc, but a completely absurd and ludicrous comic art that almost certainly couldn't exist in any other format or media. And uh, I know who wants to go first for better you know, lead or us through the story. It should be said. I think, I think you should actually start with Avengers. I think it, uh, okay. We it's, might it's, it's perfectly positioned in the middle of absurdity and awesomeness. Right. I, that's sort of the way I, I go. Uh, the thing I love about comic books is they are very absurd, but they're kind of awesome. Sometimes all the way awesome. And I have chosen one that is maxed out in both directions. And some of you might remember this because it happened like within the last 30 years. This was uh, the West Coast Avengers Annual number two crossing over with the Avengers Annual number 16. And uh, so this was a star-studded event. And uh, it opens with them uh, playing baseball with their full powers. Like Thor is at bat with his fucking hammer. And they are they're all just chatting like sort of setting things up to explaining to the reader what's going on uh somebody mentions that the score is 417 to 413 yes and during this time thor has been at bat and he has taken one pitch and there is i counted 13 word bubbles so if we're counting 13 word bubbles per pitch and the score is 417 to 413 they have been here and i did the math on this fucking 4,000 years that's how long they've been playing baseball and so and I, I you really like got to get a new picture. They are playing in the Astrodome. Right. And they do not appear to be authorized to play in the Astro- Astrodome. Yeah, who could stop that? And and it's not even for charity. There's no like crowd full of sick kids or anything. Right. <laughs> no, it's no for sticks. fun, and they're absolutely destroying the Astrodome. Just There's literally, apart. literally two people in the crowd, and it is Espirita, who just is a superheroine no one's heard of, and Moon Knight, who's like a legitimately mentally ill... <laughs> These are my notes. And... <laughs> I was like, Asperita. I've never heard of Asperita. I had a theory. Did you write down, did you write down the, the, the line that Asperita said to Moon Knight in the crowd? No. She said to him, and I quote, This is exciting, Moon Knight. I don't want to join the Avengers, and you haven't said, but I wish we could play anyway, don't you? (laughs) That's how. They invited them. They invited two people. Two people, and you're not allowed to play. That kind of keys into my theory, which is that Moon Knight is just a mentally ill person trying to join the Avengers, and Espirita does not exist. She's his Bruce Willis, and he's just picturing her. That would make sense. As the established. Because he does have... He does have several brains inside his own. Yeah. Like, Hyanshu was like, cursed him to live with the spirits of three men, if I remember. Yes, his superpower and, is mental illness. Yes, he's got schizophrenia, then plus an extrafrenia. And then he's also Batman. But yeah. dressed in white so everyone can fucking see him. <laughs> so, he's the best. He's one Except of my favorite Except for in heroes. full moonlight. That's it's true. Like, perfect camouflage. If you oh, jeez, I lost that guy the in the light of the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, no, it's the moon One inch to the left of the moon. <laughs> I see him now. But was it a moon or a man dressed as the moon? Yeah. So you should pull your picture after the first 200 runs is my takeaway. I mean, I'm a Red Sox fan, so I, 
obviously we don't follow our own advice. Well, the pitcher is Wonder Man, who is uh, powered by ionic energy. Ionic energy. Uh, so I don't know if there's like a, I don't know if he gets tired, right? Like, I don't know. Do you have to wait for like the half-life of inside him to, I don't know. I, I feel like he could pitch all night. Uh, that's not really the point of what I want to talk about because that's just now, just now they all die. Okay. I just want to set that up. That's how quickly it happens in the comic. A beam well, well, comes through the sky. Yeah, They all die after, after the silver surfer destroys the Astrodome, like almost yeah. completely. Right. I really okay, want to hammer so that home. They have gone into a hallowed a space institution. Beam comes in and the caption makes it clear. This lingers there for 60 seconds and then silver surfer is there as well. And they're, they're all dead, and they don't quite blame it on Silver Surfer, but he is standing there while, while 60 seconds of magic energy is killing the Avengers. They have a very, very long conversation, and then they notice everyone's dead. He also mentions that as soon as he found out there was a threat to him, he came directly there, except when he stopped to meet his girlfriend. Yes, he saw a ball of energy going towards the Earth. He, had to get, he knew this was going to kill something. He had to go see if the beautiful Shalabal would polish his pubic mound. <laughs> that has no genitals. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I had to bang it out real quick. But, oh, like, you're all dead. Like oh, we can tell. There's there's lipstick all over your ungenital crotch. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, there's a, a line here I love where Hawkeye, who's just saw his best friend's lying dead, he says, playing softball at a stadium. We were like... Fishing a barrel to somebody shooting from space. And again, this is an energy beam that came from galaxies away and hit a ball spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And in addition to that, it killed like the second baseman, but not the guy on second. Like, I don't think there's any shame in dying to this space ray. This is the this is the Babe Ruth of space rays. Well, there is shame. Sitting ducks. I'll tell you why. Because um, the, the beam selectively killed them. Which is right. Which is confirmation that even the primal forces of the universe don't consider the West Coast Avengers to be real Avengers. Like the they didn't even bother with the West Coast. They're like Hawkeye and Mockingbird. I think. Yeah. Let's not waste a space beam on Mockingbird. Oh wait, what's your power again? You uh, you got a stick. You got a stick. Turns into two sticks. All right. I gotta say, I guess, this on, is I the... guess you're on the West Coast Avengers. Oh, West, West <laughs> Coast they, Avengers. Or as they call themselves, the Wackos. The Wackos, man. That's like a total Stan Lee type of thing. Like, give him kind of a fun nickname. The Wackos. So Moon Knight starts to explain. He's like, I know this guy, the the Grandmaster. He's one of the elders. Because uh, Silver Surfer knows this blast came from an elder. And so Moon Knight's explaining he knows this guy. Silver Surfer's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the guy, Grandmaster. Okay, this is where it starts to fall apart really hard. Because Moon Knight, who has been brought back to life himself, is like, no, no, no. He's dead. He couldn't have done this. And everyone's like, no, dude, we, all of us die all the time and come back. Then after they explain that to him, he's like, cool, so we, we can just bring him back to life. And they're like, yeah, t- dude, we're fucking way ahead of you. We've got to bring our friends back to life. And we do it. We're doing it right now. <laughs> yeah, they right. spent so much and time then, catching Moon Knight up. I started to get confused about what was exactly. and wasn't possible. Like, I'm fully on board with the Avengers just suddenly dying during a baseball game. This is really not that unusual. Then they made it weird. And then <laughs> they make it weirder by going into space to the Collector and asking him, like, hey, we got to kill everybody. And Wonder Man's just this, like, human-shaped sack made out of energy. Like, do you have any poison that might kill him? And he's like, oh, sure, totally. Yeah, and they just job. all drink it. There was Their one little thing I liked. Die. 
which was when they were headed towards the collector, they didn't make a big deal about it, but they quite plainly got a toe from Silver Surfer at like faster Jeez. than light speed. He was like, I can't wait for a Quinjet. Like, right. <laughs> they would have been there so long. Not as long as their baseball game, but pretty long. <laughs> and so here they are. They, they all just die. They all just instantly commit suicide. And, they have um, no, they need no convincing. He doesn't even try right. to convince them. He's just like, hey, I have this poison. You want to do it. That's on you. And they're like, they have a two two second conversation where they're like, hey, do you like poison? Yeah, well, sure. Well, Hank's all for all it because Hank, Hank can't go five minutes without bringing up that he's tried suicide before. Right. Yeah. It's extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> like it's not like a cry for help like yeah, he's the less funny kind of mentally ill than moon knight like he's just a really troubled man yeah. <laughs> so here they are they're they're dead and like it's at this point like, where as a writer i can kind of see the uh the scaffolding and i see like these guys wanted to have an adventure where the avengers are all dead and this is how they got here and it's it's completely absurd and insane now they all die, except Espirita couldn't die. And so they immediately, they're like, oh, hey, cool, everybody's dead. Oh, except for that Espirita bitch. She wouldn't, what a coward. She wouldn't even kill herself for and these back, people that she barely knows. And back that's in not the realm mentioned of the, again. Yeah, yeah. Back in the realm of the living, uh, the collector's just like, ah, they'll be fine without you. Don't worry. They got, they're okay. Don't worry. They're fine. So I guess what this is, it's, it's like a what-if comic set in canon. Like, it's what-if... The East Coast Avengers fought the West Coast Avengers and all the Avengers died all in one issue. But it's not like an alternate universe. This really happened. They get into it and it's as contrived as any other thing. They just immediately start fighting without any anything, really. They're not like, hey, what are you doing here? They're just like, we got to we got to pair off and fight, guys. Right. So they they do. don't even try to get to reason out of it. They're not like, hold on, let's talk about this. They see each other and they're like, well, I'm going to kick your ass. What's amazing is and or wife, sometimes a wife. It's not even about, like, I have to do a thing and you have to stop me. It's legitimately right. the only way to decide who's right is four out of seven yeah. wins. <laughs> exactly. I love it. It's exactly what I would do if I was a superhero all the time. So, Can I go back one second? I had a killer line. Of course. Okay. So they're, they're right <laughs> in the front of the page. Thor's talking about how he's going to increase his standing among the batters, which is a pretty low bar. Because Hank's best known for battering his wife. Please continue. <laughs> uh, that's good foreshadowing, too, for the for this comic. That's why I thought of it now. So the fights pair off. It's Iron Man versus Captain Marvel, who is the uh, Monica Rambo Captain Marvel, who can basically just turn into any form of light, which is a very overpowered superpower. Yeah, she's pretty so much unbeatable. Goes, yeah, so the writer goes apeshit with just all kinds of, like, pseudoscience to like have this fight go back and forth between super genius Iron Man and like completely impossible to kill laser lady. And you can see this is what he wanted to write the whole time. And it's, there's so much more care that went into this like brief fist fight than the entire setup for this like universe spanning adventure. And all of the and, fights that follow. This exactly. is like the only one that looks like there was any effort put. And if you're wondering where silver surfer is in all of this, who he's going to fight, it's a uh, nobody. Is as soon as he sees them fight, he basically says, good luck with your stupid shit. I'm going off to try literally anything else. Well, there's your ride. And he does. He just, he just fucking surfs away and is like, yeah. have fun. He's just somebody's mom with a, with a minivan. Just call me when the concert's over. All right, drop over. the kids off. Drop the kids yeah. off at the mall. 
Yeah, he, he should have fun. at least mentioned, like, dude, aren't these the guys you just killed yourself to save, and now you're going to, like, fight them? He does not give <laughs> I, a shit. I don't. I, I don't get humans, but... I, and I okay. think, you know what? I think a flying surfboard is the best vehicle to not give a shit on. As you just, like, flying <laughs> surf away. Like, that in itself, you don't even need to say, I don't give a shit. Because yeah, the flying it's so hard to look like you care about anything on a flying just... surfboard. And just so the readers know, at this point, there's two Eternals, and they're both claiming they have the answer to save the Avengers from the other Eternal. Right. So, I mean, there's not nothing that they're... There's some sort of a stakes that you could sort of say... And maybe they think that they need to win for that guy. Well, it's but it's the, not very explained. They trust the Eternals more than their teammates. Right. Yeah. I, I think the main point I have is this completely rules now. This comic is awesome, and everything setting it up is is insane and it didn't have to be like i would have been fine if they just died playing baseball and they're like we got to kill ourselves to get these avengers and then one guy said you must fight first and like okay but they had all this unnecessary crap to get here Uh, (laughs) the next fight i love is captain america versus mockingbird which is um, so good (laughs) this is my favorite i have it in bold just It is kind of cute because, like, it opens with her trying to hit Captain America, and he, like, literally thinks almost exactly word for word, oh, this is kind of cute. She's doing it. She's been practicing. This is good for her. She's doing her best. (laughs) I want to say. really sad. This is my first ever Mockingbird story, and this isn't her best showing in this story, but I I was mightily impressed with how much trash she was able to talk on everybody. That's true. She has so much trash to talk, and... She cannot back up a single word no. of it. Everybody I, just Mockingbird's pretty badass. Trying, she not not in this comic. She, <laughs> in the, no, she doesn't do okay. She tries to fight Captain America and then she loses because she gets her giant '80s sleeves caught on some thorns, and Captain America just like gently pity captures her yeah. as she thinks to herself, "A '40s man is no match for an '80s woman." That's and also the plot of Who's the Boss. Yeah, you're undone by your giant. <laughs> 80s accessories it's like an <laughs> ironic punishment towards independent 80s women it's amazing I, it's such a i actually a, wrote down her line uh when she gets caught and she screams but my sleeves i cut my sleeves on the thorns which is a fan it's just good writing <laughs> but it's also kind of insulting ends. to your artist to be like I, I don't trust this guy to to fucking make this look like she got caught on the thorns. I better put this into the dialogue. I don't know. If you last more than a minute and a half against Captain America, those are bona fides right there. Because he was running away. Because he, was, because he was scared, but because he, he wanted to, like, pity capture her with thorns. He did disarm her and was then like, well, look, if she can trick herself into getting caught, then it's okay. Like, it's not too... It's like when a, yeah. when a toddler punches you in the knee and then you fall down and go like, oh, my head. <laughs> That's what this fight was. She she did great though. I think we all agree. You don't, you don't roundhouse kick your toddler when she tries that. Well, I don't. I don't have any kids, so it would be other people's toddlers. And yes, I I absolutely do. Well, once you kick it, it's yours. Like you break it, you buy it. <laughs> That's right in the handbook. You didn't make them. Don't so the them. next fight is uh, Hank Pym fighting against his ex-wife, and this is a real yeah. psychological mindfuck. Like this is <laughs> probably whoever wrote this should like I, their wife should be careful is my point <laughs> my uh, last note in so, this is this is an unhealthy relationship yes so here he is about to f- have a fist fight with his wife which is not the first or the That's last time this happens this point, in the marvel universe right she's their uh, I believe ex-wife, ex-wife at the time right um 
and I swear to God, he brings up his suicide attempt to disarm her, <laughs> and then he sucker judos her. He's yep. like, oh man, remember that time I killed, tried to kill myself? And she's like, oh my God, you're right, that's really sad. Judo. <laughs> And then said, I believe they get together again after this. I yes, don't have my comments so. entirely right, but this is the unhealthiest relationship. It's the worst relationship. And even I'm, in the fight, it's so unsportsmanlike. He fakes his own death during the fight to trick her into pity, and then he puts her in a gas-filled person. bubble. And no, I want to make stay away from that man. Gotta love he that drugs man. his wife. <laughs> for the record, he walks around with a bubble filled with sleeping gas exclusively for shrunken women. I just... <laughs> Well, he no, had that in his pocket. This is this is the point in Hank's career when he can no longer shrink or grow, but he can change the size of things that he touches. Like he's he's right. inverted his powers, so he has a bunch right. of cargo pockets, and he's just pulling out useful things, which is kind of cool. Do you remember? Do you remember the Harlem Globetrotters cartoon? I remember the Scooby Doo. There was a Harlem Globetrotter with an afro, and he would just pull out whatever gadget he needed from his afro. He's yeah. exactly it's that hammer character. space exactly. Yes. So Hank's manhandling his wife out of the gate in this fight, and she is still sparing his ego. Like, at, yeah. <laughs> halfway through the fight. She's like, well, he better... Eh, if I beat him too quickly, he'll try to kill himself again. But yeah, the Wasp was never treated with, like... With the full power of feminism by the writers at Marvel Comics. Like, usually her, her thought bubbles were like, look at all these men, yum. And so for her to spend a fist fight, like, trying to protect... Her abuser's ego is, it's very, like, uh, ordinary for well, a Marvel Comics writer to, to do. It kind of depends. Um, you can actually see this in a lot of, like, Kirby Lee stuff where, like, the girls are kicking ass, which is actually on display here. Like, it's the 80s and women are absolutely, like, liver-punching Wonder Man or whatever. But you'll have Kirby block it out, and then Stan comes in and and wants to give it, like, some soap opera drama, and it's like... I'd better have her worry about her relationship with Reed. So she's like, you know, shrinking right. the atomic man. And she and Sue's thinking to herself, I hope Reed doesn't judge me for like stepping out of turn. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. A little Nerd. Bit okay, keep going. <laughs> so the next fight is Thor versus Wonder Man. I have no notes other than Rad. They go at it. Thor pounds on him. And then just shoots him with so much Thor power that he goes down. Yep. And that dude can't go like 30 seconds without mentioning that he's filled with ionic energy. <laughs> That's the only thing he wants to talk about. Like, dude, you guys, have I told you about the thing that I am? I think he's hoping someone will relieve him of his ionic energy. I had the same note. I was like, it just, this one was if actually you know a great what I'm fight. Saying. I, I, the one thing I wonder is why 90% of Thor fights aren't just he drops his hammer on your foot and you can't move. You're pinned down. I think there was some time when he like dropped it on somebody's chest in the movies or something, but well, because Thor's a himbo, he's not a he's not a strategist. <laughs> he's a beautiful man with a big uh, hammer, and he, he looks great with a beard. It. He looks phenomenal with yes. that beard. Yeah, very good. I, I sometimes do this podcast called Marvel by the Month, where we talk about old Marvel comics, and I do mention how Thor is completely invincible when they want him to be, and he, there's an issue where he's fighting the Super Scroll, and he's kind of getting his ass handed to him that he's like, you know what? Fuck this. And he shoots him with a ray that just makes him go back to where he came from. Just <laughs> sends him directly ray. back. Yeah. He just shoots through the universe, taking rights and left goes back to his home. And that's, that's the kind of thing Thor can just do. If he wants, he just puts you in a whirlwind and sends you to hell. It just, whatever his hammer does, whatever he wants. So you better so, fight him fun is the thing. You better fight yes. him in a fun way. 
I used to play the Marvel superheroes role playing game with my brother, and he would be Thor, and he would just bring up precedent from the comic books, and he just, you know what I do? I I put him in another dimension. He would he would totally put the fucking hammer on somebody and be like, okay, he can't ever move again. I'd be like, yeah, okay, you win again. I'm glad you're playing as Thor. This is fun. You have to counter and be like, I starved to death, and Thor is no longer worthy of the hammer. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. I wish I would have thought of that when I was nine. Yeah, do it for a living. If I had your adult brain when I was nine... If you were a 40-year-old man completely committed to children's stories, you would have rocked this meaningless contest. (laughs) Speaking of meaningless contests, the Avengers are are now, what, three and one? Something like that. It's... I I don't even know what the stakes are. I don't know what happens whichever side wins, but neither did the people writing this comic. We are getting to the most mockable fight in this this journey. Take it away. Let's get right into it. Tigra versus Dr. Druid. Oh, boy. The all-stars of the Avengers. I felt dirty watching this fight. He's just like a gross old man. He looks like a sex therapist, and he's a hypnotist, and she's like a furry, and they're like... Yeah, and she's just a sex pot. Just this this furry sex pot, and he's going to hypnotize her into doing what he wants. Like, no, no. What I love is he's just sort of... Doing illusions, but she has kitty cat powers, so she like knows their illusions, and so it's just this dumb mismatch. But all it takes is one little distraction, and he can take control of the mind. Yeah, yeah. I didn't need and to know that. Like, I, I here's what I wrote in my notes, scene. and I'm just going to read you my notes word for word here. It says, "Then he walks off with the bikini girl under his mental command in the realm of infinite time, outside the sight of gods and man." Oh, I just, I, I didn't like that. With his, hand on, story. with his hand on her head and she's just like yeah. walking half hunched. Oh, it's so problematic. But she I do like very naked and under his command. I do like the idea of Dr. Druid as a guy who's like powerful enough to belong on the Avengers, but or to be on right. the Avengers, but not like a good enough like like, like an actual sort of imposter that probably sh- that wouldn't belong there. Like the RC Cola of 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 mystics doc, mystic doctors. Yeah, he is just. No one uh, ever mentions me. Hi, I'm Doctor Druid. Remember me? I guess that's a good analogy because RC Cola is pretty delicious, but no one ever thinks of it. Yeah, it's third past the post. Well, next we have Moon Knight versus Black Knight, which seems like uh, should have been a good fight, but really brings up the limitations of Black Knight. And that if he ever cuts somebody with his sword, which is his weapon, then like a, he'll be overtaken by some dark curse. And so that's how Moon Knight beats him. He like jumps on the sword and pretends he got cut by it. And then Moon Knight is so disarmed by that that, uh, I'm sorry, did I say Moon Knight? Black Knight is so disarmed by that that Moon Knight, yeah, you know. Yeah, in my notes I had this as the battle of who could be the most useless. <laughs> Moon Knight just throws stuff at him and uh, he counters with not really wanting stuff to be thrown at him. And then he tries to stab Moon Knight, but of course he can't. Stab Moon Knight. A guy with ten weapons that are useless and a, versus a guy with one weapon he doesn't want to use. <laughs> yeah, it's like watching it's... two LARPers that neither one wants to give up. Nuh-uh. I have a force field, too. <laughs> there are zero so... stakes in this whole fight. But next we have Hawkeye versus She-Hulk. Just a total wildcard mismatch. Great fight, uh, though. It's, it's a classic comic fight where like Hawkeye wins by doing something very clever because he just has a million different kinds of arrows. And he builds his own bow in the middle of the fist fight, which is great. Well, clever if you're stupid is Hawkeye's deal. Yeah, yeah. His whole I agree. deal is like what a stupid person would think is very clever. 
There were two things I loved from that fight. The first was that Hawkeye was flirting with her the entire time because A, he's mm-hmm. Hawkeye, and B, She-Hulk is fantastic. Like, you wouldn't ever not flirt with She-Hulk. She's awesome. You're not going to not mention it. She's six foot five. She's a very revealing leotard. I like strong women. What can I say? But Brett Green. I mean, that's great. That's the, my thing. The second thing is much more mundane, and it's that there is wildlife in the realm of death, but it's all dead. I thought that was a nice touch. Yeah, like Even animals go to hell. Went into some of this little bunny rabbits go straight to hell. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, West Coast wins. Uh, it is the West Coast Avengers annual that we start with. So now that means Grandmaster wins the universe, maybe from death. I don't know. No one gets it. The he comic ends. Get it. She no, all this was a trap for death. Stakes were. That was part one. The next one is the Avengers annual, and they they try to catch us up and. It just it's it just gets more confusing. Now they have to fight these dead supervillains for the sake or for the uh, the universe's fate. And there's five bombs set throughout the universe, and they split up into teams. And if the good guys don't win, then one fifth of the universe blows up for each good guy loss. Those are the new stakes, which are and dramatically increased from the last stakes. Pretty right. hefty. Which also, the art is phenomenal rights. in this. Yeah, like a, a rotating cast. It's uh, like, Kevin yeah. Nolan did a section. Kevin Nolan, John Romita Jr., like... Uh, yeah. yeah. Mitchell Nelson, I think, was one of them. Yeah. So everything is absurd and insane, but now it's it's rad again because they're going to start fighting. And um, We're back in the rule of awesome. Era when, like, being dead, like, kind of meant something. Not quite, but there were a, a certain number of supervillains that were dead, and they were, uh, that year they published... Um, the Book of the Dead Deluxe Edition for the Marvel Universe, where it was like an addendum to their little encyclopedia of superheroes with all of the dead guys. Like, that's how long they stayed dead that they could make encyclopedias of dead characters. It's not like that now. I think every single one of these characters has come back to life seven or eight more times. But at this point, they were dead. Let's see, the first fight was Thor Hawkeye and Hank Pym have to fight, like, just nobody that had a prayer. Like like a like dark wing, some dude with like vulture wings. I can't even remember. They fought Carl Urban and then a bunch of people I forget. The swordsman was one of them, which is like okay, a right. less useful version of Hawkeye. Right. I just like how easily it is to convince them to fight. Like here are your dead friends. Like they don't question yeah. it. And they it only, would have been perfect. They, they only know the things that are in front of them. Like I mean, that's the time to bring in Black Knight. You got a guy who's dead versus a guy whose sword kills anything it touches. Like. Yeah, I'd like to see what happens if somebody's already dead and Black Knight hits them with the might sure, Yeah, might short circuit it. Maybe that's how they all come back to life. Black Knight just pokes everybody and they're like, ah, oh, we outsmarted this whole thing. <laughs> Step Can't, into life. If you die in, in, in death row, it's a double negative. And, you know, earlier I was talking about how Thor can do anything. What Thor does here is the bomb actually goes off, but he puts it in a Thor whirlwind. Uh-huh. And so it doesn't blow up one-fifth of the universe. Sends him so back to its own country where it belongs. <laughs> the deportation ray. That's that's how that fight ended. Then that we have Captain Marvel, She-Hulk, Tigra, and Moon Knight, and they fight um, Drax and Captain Marvel from you know they're famous movie stars now, but at this time they were dead supervillains apparently. This is the battle of this the green and purple people. Yeah, this one uh, kind of ended in tragedy. Like everyone died, but they still managed to get the bomb turned off. I bet you guys have some good notes about Silver Surfer versus uh, Michael Korvac. <laughs> I just, I just have because look, I'm not you guys. I don't have every comic ever made. I, uh, okay. 
I mostly just read Vertigo for like 20 years, and then I stopped reading comics altogether. You mostly but, were just uh, cool in high school, smoking cigarettes yeah. behind the, the dumpster. Okay, keep going. Right. I mean, I guess I guess I'm trying to say that I fucked, but I didn't. You know, I didn't want to say it as I'm a gentleman. Uh, yeah, my nobody who knows who had, Michael Korvac is. Yeah, <laughs> Michael Korvac is the most powerful asshole. <laughs> right. Did I get that right? Is that the? Is that yeah, what he's, he's, he's just, just like a guy a in a polo shirt dip shit that can. That do was my take. Yeah, just unimaginable cosmic powers. The idea of meeting the Silver Surfer and then having to mansplain cosmic power and just sitting in a yes in a shitty like lazy boy and be like, "Hello, my friends. I am Michael Cobb." Sitting in like a like a chaise lounge or something on an asteroid while he. <laughs> It's just, he's just the best yeah, he, asshole. I guess he's the world's best like a... asshole. <laughs> and he backs it up. He absolutely does. He has Galactus level powers. He strips the Silver Surfer of everything that he is. And then they, they uh, smash into the bomb and that somehow disarms the bomb, which um, again, it's not even consistent in the same comic because when Thor smashed the bomb, it still went off and he had to contain it with the whirlwind. This one, they smash the bomb. That's it. The bomb, the bomb is fine. Maybe Michael Korvac didn't want to die, so he made a uh, cosmic whirlwind. That's not. A, I, I got a no prize. That's a hundred percent within the possibilities. The What's my supervillain name? It's Michael. <laughs> Just <laughs> Michael. Michael means strength of God, my friend. This is a formidable name. Welcome. <laughs> You know what? This podcast is just like Corvac so speaks lazy that. and he's such a dick about it that I, I'm kind of a fan now. <laughs> I've never seen him before. He's such an asshole. It was like <laughs> panel two. I was like, who's this asshole? Michael Corvac, cosmic asshole. <laughs> I have a membership to two boat clubs. I don't even Ridiculous. go to them. I don't know a boat. You well, now I do with my cosmic boat powers. So the next fight is Iron Man, Mockingbird, Black Knight, and Dr. Druid. And they have to fight Dracula, like the Dracula, uh, Terax, who's a uh, Herald of Galactus, and um, a different Black Knight, and then the Red Guardian. And they lose. Like, they have no shot against these Big guys. Time. I, love, I love that the, the, the just the book-reading pervert has to fight Dracula. That is the best matchup. Why didn't <laughs> so he get good. to fight anybody else? Like, he could have fought the Black Knight or something. They're like, hey, hey, pervert, uh, you got Dracula. This wait, is a wait, battle. A Dracu- where, a like, Dracula or the Dracula? A Dracula or the Dracula? This is very important. The, the one, the Dracula. <laughs> and he just, oh, he just does not stand a chance. I think five people have the power cosmic, and none of them does half as well as Dracula, who is actually facing a guy who you I, like. Maybe it's presumptuous to think Doctor Druid would be able to beat a vampire, especially like right. the vampire. But like of he all the people like to the face right off against, for it, right man for the job. Like this is your moment. Yeah. This is when you, like everyone stops looking at you like you're Fezzik. Well, he also does exactly nothing and then gets slapped into oblivion. <laughs> Open-handed slapped into just, oblivion. Yeah, he in cries. In just insulting way. That is about how I would imagine it if you, uh, if you just put a, a street pervert up against Dracula. So now you know Dracula is the most powerful villain in the Marvel Universe. He actually... Um... At the end of this is one of my favorite moments because Tony is trying to disarm the bomb, like full on has it open. He's using his technical expertise to disarm this bomb that we've already demonstrated. You can just punch while he's doing that. He gets distracted because Mockingbird straight up just gets eaten by Dracula right behind him. And he's like, whoa, what's that? And then kaboom. And literally one fifth of the Marvel Universe is gone in this moment. Like that happened. 
boom, they lose. Yeah, but it was like Mockingbird. It was like the Alabama end of the universe. Like, no, it never. (laughs) Sorry, Alabama. But yeah, they didn't even like list a single character that died there. I don't even think they did afterwards. I don't. Yeah, I don't think they care. It, it was just some, like, it was probably a wasteland. There was probably, like, a phoenix eggs hatch there, and it wasn't even populated. No prize. So that's the Avengers. So the very last fight is Captain America, Wasp, Wonder Man, and they fight Bucky and Hyperion, who is the Marvel Superman, and uh, Baron Blood, who is uh, a Nazi Dracula. Uh, everybody dies. It's just a, a clusterfuck, because Hyperion's everywhere, beating up everybody. And then at the end, Captain America just punches the bomb because we've demonstrated that's how you disarm these bombs. Mm-hmm. I would and, like uh, to, uh, to pause for a second and ask, because you guys would know. Uh, I was always of the assumption that Bucky had no powers. He was just like like a good fighting boy. Is that right? right. Well, he has so one he, power. What's his power? He can reduce Captain America to a quivering, guilt-ridden husk. Like, all you have to do in a fight is, like, have a shapeshifter be like, when you let me down, Cap! And then he's like, dear God, I never meant to let Bucky die! Well, that's pretty good power, but he faces off against Wasp, and it lasts, like, half a second because he just punches her with his ordinary boy punch. He just does what we're all thinking and says, why don't you stomp on the bus? so horribly. Mm. It's it's really Ordinary boy punch not only hits her... (laughs) Just mutilates her into oblivion. Yeah, how has that not come up in all of her years of adventuring? Like no nobody's tried ordinary boy punch. punch. Well, oh, God, I'm such a nerd. So in Ant Man, the movie, probably the best <laughs> example of it is when somebody tries to step on him, but his mass is still that of a 200 pound man. Sure. So it's the reason he's able to punch you. Although it's it's fuzzy physics because if he was like punching you with a one millimeter fist, yeah, your like jaw would just nail. be yeah, it would be like a nail gun. But apparently Wasp doesn't get that because, like, again, ordinary boy punch is her is her kryptonite. That's her weakness. <laughs> no one ever thought to try it. So uh, Hank did. They come back. Sorry to tell you. So that was just round one. Twenty percent of the universe is gone. Almost half of Thanos. Uh, no one mentions it. No one cares. Uh, and then Grandmaster's like, "Hey guys, that's only round one. You're just gonna have to keep fighting until the whole universe blows up." And they're like, "What? No." And this one, Hawkeye gets this great idea. To uh, say, he how gets about a stupid we... person's clever idea? <laughs> a stupid person's idea of a clever idea. <laughs> guess what I have behind my back, and if you guess right, you win. And Grandmaster <laughs> just can't resist this game of chance. This thrilling game of chance. He like offers to draw straws. Like I'm I right, think drawing we should... straws, the ultimate gambler's game. We should all live in existential terror. <laughs> the only thing standing between a reboot of the universe. Is is whether you can fool an old man who looks very much like 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 a nineteen seventies Republican with a gambling addiction. <laughs> with a gambling with his gambling addiction. Who, and it who wants to play Kino? But uh, Grandmaster did put correctly, so Hawkeye had to cheat. Yes. But in that moment where he's like, he thought he picked wrong. Death escapes her her bonds and like just brings everyone back to life. Uh, no questions asked. No mention is made of the 20% of the universe that exploded. Uh, I'd like to think that they undid that, but if they did, that is not explained to the reader. And that's it. There, Th- is, literally, there is literally one panel where they come back to life, and they, the next panel they say, let's play ball and pick up their softball game. Yeah. Not even like, according to panel logic, that is two seconds of like, well, we're back. Let's play softball, everybody. And then the they score? do. 413 to 417? All right. Because they're super-powered goldfish. 
I do. <laughs> Superheroes are basically like ants. Like you can put them in the same box and everything's okay, but if you shake it even a little bit, they will just start slaughtering each other. <laughs> I do think it was pretty cool that the Grandmaster was like round two. Now everyone that died in the last one is on my side. I thought that was uh, a nice escalation at the end. That's a good way to cheat as opposed to Hawkeye's yeah. extremely stupid way to cheat. Yeah. I just, I want to say, uh, I love that comic or those comics and uh, for how stupid they are, but how awesome they are. And I think that was probably my favorite comic for most of my childhood. And I'm glad I could introduce it to you, to you gentlemen. You had that of old. for giving me a piece of yourself. Mm-hmm. I'll try and I know Michael Korvac is going to be your favorite new villain. He really just, is. I just have some side notes where I need to study up on him. But before we get to our next installment in our I have been practicing nice. nonstop. I have done nothing but read terrible books to get into the headspace. <laughs> Just give me one second. I'm going to go learn how to read. I'll be right back. Perfect. I'm going to dominate okay. this. Uh, I wish I had prepared some sort of wrestling style insulting monologue, but you're going down. Oh. Brockway, your very existence is an insult to my entire self. I mean, you, you outclass me at every turn. What can I say? You're a very humble guest, Brendan. Well, and let's see if it serves you well in Sean Baby's book game. Today, um, we're recording this on the day where we learned that, uh, fascism will not get four more years in America, which was great news. And I think everyone's in a fantastic mood and everyone's very happy. Uh, for for uh, four more years, fascism won't get four more years. Yeah, we, we put it on pause and that's great. Maybe. Congratulations to us. Probably, yeah. Like, yeah. it's looking good. Looking better than it did a few days ago. Yeah. First step and on the so, path. I'll celebrate it. It's a good day in America. Legitimately in a, in a great mood and have been all day. And so what I'd like to do is pick the saddest book from my collection and the contest... <laughs> Just to even things out, the contest will be Brendan and Brock, where you will both try to come up with the uh, saddest entry in um, a book called Microwave for One by Ooh. Sonia Allison. This is and, my time to shine. Yes. So you're looking for the saddest microwave recipe to be eaten by yourself uh, from a book called Microwave for One. And um, I'm going to try to describe the cover. I actually wrote about this book on Cracked because I have two books called Microwave for One. This is the inferior book. <laughs> you should set them up. Yes. Put those books on a date. Let see if they it. can make a little... Uh... Oh my God. Can you imagine a Microwave for Two book written by the authors of Microwave for One and Microwave <laughs> for One? Uh, when I wrote about this book, uh, this woman on the cover, uh, the other book, Microwave for One, the woman had 25, 30 dishes, beautiful, elegant dishes. And this one, the lady has like, Four gross things on a card table. And uh, the way I described her in the article, I said she looks like she just pulled herself out of a headlock at a cigarette smoking contest. And it's the most accurate thing I've ever written. So that's why I'm repeating it here. And <laughs> she just, she looks like life has kicked the fuck out of her. So you're going to choose a number between 1 and 157. Brendan, you're our guest. Go first. And you're trying to land on the saddest recipe. Mm, 59. 59. 59. Okay. Malay-style chicken. Preparation mm. requires a bit of effort. It's authentically flavored and quite delicious. Eat this with rice or pasta. So let's see. It looks like you take uh, three tablespoons of peanut butter and two chicken thighs, um, one tablespoon of desiccated coconut and some milk, and then you microwave that. <laughs> so I hate it. 
I'm very sad, but uh, broccoli, you might be able to beat that. Yeah, I like everything that goes yeah, in there. I feel like that that involves like ingredients. I think I think we can beat in anything that involves ingredients. <laughs> just like microwave your own hand. <laughs> yeah, just microwave. I don't know, like bread. Microwave zucchini toast. noodles with ranch dressing, but you don't drain all the water that comes out of the noodles while you're microwaving it. Yeah, I would hate uh, that. Yeah, I feel like I probably had that. I didn't say not delicious. I just said sad. Yeah. It, oh, it's definitely sad. It was. It was a suicide. So, Brockway, you have to be Hank Pym. <laughs> you have to beat milk and peanut butter. Uh, <laughs> chicken soaked in milk and peanut butter, and then microwave. I mean, so good luck. 42, 42, page 42. You guys are going early in the book. You're like, these are probably her best ideas. Um, okay, <laughs> lemon skate with mushrooms. Skate? Is, uh, um, oh, shit. Yes, I... It's a splendid specimen of fishhood. I can't and... beat microwaved skate, uh, microwave fish. That is just, yeah, yeah you win. This is, this is the saddest thing. Okay, so you're going to put breadcrumbs on this fish along with uh, a can of mushrooms and uh, some lemon oh. juice, and then you're going to microwave that fish, and uh, that's... You're going to microwave breadcrumbs, because that's why we yes. put breadcrumbs. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, microwave bread is the so worst. See, so you guys... Wet old fish bread. You guys both have made me very sad, but Brockway, uh, I think you won that. Far and away. Chicken thighs, coconut, peanut butter are Confidence. awesome. You, you just... What that means... What that means, 20% of the universe just exploded. I, oh. I hate it. <laughs> the whole time I was Michael <laughs> I, I want to say that explains the, the real sadness the real sadness of microwave skate cosmic asshole it's not when you eat it and you're like yeah that's not as bad as I thought microwave fish would be it's like the it's like that's like your Saturday night and then Monday morning your kitchen still smells like stale microwave fish that's yeah this ruins like at least a week of your life but you live alone who gives a shit you, you live, you're alone with your sadness. Right, it just really rubs that in. It's just going to mix with the other microwave smells. It's, okay, so that's very sad. Let's get back to something happy. Uh, who wants to go next? You guys both have some, um, some pretty fantastic entries here. Brandon, as the guest, you should go since we're getting a little bit into it. So um, I have been writing a comic series that is steeped in the golden age, and I have become strangely fascinated with this publisher, Victor Fox, who is... Basically, this Murdochian figure, just a, a bombastic, egotistical, megalomaniacal piece of shit. And he's best known for getting sued for ripping off Superman, but he did everything. Like, he was tax fraud. He was, like, skirting the government during the wartime effort. He was ripping off artists. He was, like, cheating on his wife. All this stuff. So I've become obsessed with the Fox feature syndicate characters, and that is how I found Captain V, a.k.a. the Puppeteer. And the fucking best. this guy is basically like a golden age Superman, but with like a patriotic bent. But because Fox was ripping off all of his creators, I think there was a lot of there was like all the characters ended up changing their names after one issue. And I think it's because somebody just like came in with another script and was like, I'm not putting the effort into this, which is how Captain V became the puppeteer. So he still has this red, white and blue, totally jingoistic uniform. But now he travels by a V-beam. V-beam, which doesn't sound, I mean, you know, Thor does the Rainbow Bridge. Cool. Let's roll with it. But he travels on 
on Patreon. It makes it hard to sneak up on a crook. On the red, white, and blue. Because beam. crooks always can detect patriotism because they mm-hmm. they fear what they they flee from. The puppeteer is an actual puppeteer named gentle mannered, definitely not mild mannered because he gets sued by DC, but gentle mannered Alan Dale. You could you could sell puppets back then. That was like a real sustainable career. Before I, I actually have this in my notes. Uh, it is gentle Carver. Gentle, right? yes. <laughs> the gentle puppets Carver, will know the soft is, touch of his just plane. Just the craziest thing you could call somebody, it's, right? Like that's that's something you say about someone in hindsight after you learn that they're a serial killer. <laughs> you seem like such a gentle Carver of puppets, <laughs> but you know it makes sense. I never now. realized that all of the it dead eyes noting that. The puppets he makes are of the puppeteer. Yes. And they have, hold on, they, they, the puppets he makes are of himself, and he gives them to girls he likes, and there are hidden microphones <laughs> in them so that he can listen it's to It's so them much worse than that. Reasons. There's a reason all puppet-themed comic characters are bad guys. You do not trust a puppeteer, and it's because they do this puppet shit. Because they make... This is classic puppet classic shit. Classic puppet shit. So... We meet the puppeteer in this issue, and his his phone call goes something like, Hello, puppeteer, the museum? Yes, your daughter wants a puppet? Next panel, (laughs) panel two. I'd better put a listening device in this teenage girl's toy. <laughs> like there's nothing she wants to, for trustworthy nothing reasons. Has happened not, yet. not for moist sounds. <laughs> Certainly not that. Strictly just I'd better make a network of radio listening devices across the city. Then he gets to the museum. That I exclusively give to teenage girls. Here's the thing though. Like, if a little girl says to her father, could you please uh use your position as a museum owner to leverage <laughs> a puppeteer into giving me a puppet? I would think we need to figure out what the fuck's wrong with this girl. Like, let's just put a listening device on her just until we figure out what's going on with her. Right. I thought she was going to be like seven too. And that was even a problem, but she's like 14 and it's, it is not okay. There's a scam going on here. I haven't figured out what it is yet, but there's definitely like a daddy. I want a puppet. And then she sneaks out to go smoke cigarettes by the river or something. Mm -hmm. So the puppeteer whose secret identity is a man whose career is a puppeteer. And it should be noted here looks exactly the same as a superhero and has no mask, right. shows up. And he also makes puppets of himself. makes puppets of himself. Like, Just, no one specifies what kind of puppet time. she wants. The puppeteer's, the puppeteer's secret identity is a puppeteer who makes puppets of the puppeteer. <laughs> so much and no one suspects no one the same. He also has the same face as the puppeteer who travels by a V-beam where the narrator actually says, like, everyone looks up and sees the grand sight of the puppeteer traveling by V-beam. Like, it's like a rainbow. A very visible superhero. You can see yes. it goes right to his office. So I'm plainly... My selection is plainly on the, the bizarro side, and I'm counting on Brockway to give us the awesome side to balance out the force. So the other thing you need to know about the puppeteer is this. He has a pet eagle named Raven. And it's, Oh, that was supposed to be an eagle? Yes. I thought it was a raven because I just believed Because his name is Raven. Sucker. And because he says caw caw. But he is a bald eagle who says caw caw and also talks. Right. There's, it's never explained. He just has a completely sentient 
talking bird pet. Okay, golden age. And nobody, he interacts with other people who can hear him talking, and nobody's like, holy fucking shit, is that fucking eagle talking? Yeah, this is all... Like, at no point. I mean, when a man jumps into your studio on a, on a red, white, and blue rainbow, honestly, the talking bald eagle named Raven is probably, like, the, yeah. the, the being named Raven is probably weirder than the talking bald eagle. Right, you know what? I hate to I hate to get political on this day, but I think this is the same strategy that has worked on us through the Trump administration, where you just throw so much shit at them all at once that you're just, oh, yeah, okay. The logic what? is out. Is it just thing? feels right in my patriotic heart. Is this heart. the next thing we're doing? To me, this feels like uh, like a toddler story. Like my my girl is uh, three now, so she can talk and she can tell stories. And oftentimes, the stories will just have details like that. Like, oh, this eagle's here, and he's a raven, and he says this, and and it's. And she'll just move on from it. But like, that's what golden age comics often feel like is they can be very awesomely insane, but sometimes really meandering and boring. And like, that's what we have in this comic. Like the puppeteer is a very awesome comic because it's insane in exactly the right way. But so many of the other stories in this comic, like uh, Rick Evans, uh, Red Robins, Pussy Catnip, all these other characters in this comic are just stupid. Pussy Catnip is actually Tigra's great grandmother. So I don't know if anybody knows (laughs) that, the first Pussy catnip has like a one of those fake butts that you get in an adult yeah. bookstore for a face. She is a regular cat in a banging cartoon body. It's it's the first furry for sure. Um, you know what I think it was? I genuinely think we did not invent the concept of drafts until like <laughs> 1970. So you just when you wrote something, you're committed. That was it. I can't do anything about this. I'm sorry. I called him an eagle earlier. Like, I wish there was some way to go back and change it. But until somebody invents uh, editing, so kind of a delete this is key, just what something like that. Nah. That's do you know fiction. how much work it was to to replace something on a typewriter? Like, you had to get white out. You had to wait for it to dry. Right, that shit was hard. Nah, I don't blame yeah. him. I don't blame them that everything they wrote was just. Kidding. They had to get deadlines. So, if anybody wants to read this, it's on Comic Book comicbookplus.com under all good comics and it is unreal it is here's where things get crazy to turn into the puppeteer gentle-mannered puppeteer alan dale sits down at a pipe organ Uh, excuse me did you mean gentle carver of puppets (laughs) that was what he wanted you to think you make fun of how the eagle is a raven you're getting all this he's, he's a gentle carver of puppets Come, my puppet friend, let me free you from that block of wood. The puppeteer will s- gently eke you into existence. So, never explain. Father! <laughs> wow, you went aural knots at the, uh... <laughs> That's true, I did the creepy voice. <laughs> Father Flesh! <laughs> Shout out to uh, our, our theme songwriter. We know that the reason... The puppeteer can turn into capitals. The puppeteer is he sits down at a pipe organ again in his Jim Henson dreamatorium. He has a pipe organ and plays Beethoven's Fifth backwards <laughs> to become patriotic superhero. The puppeteer and no thus we join you, gentle reader. Now in my favorite part of this comic, and the rest of it's pretty standard. I mean, he just he he. Like, he looks like he's wearing a diaper, but otherwise he just takes the V-beam and he, like, the daughters have vanished and everyone's, like, trapped in statues and he saves them before they suffocate. And the real hero of the story is Raven, the bald eagle. But um, 
There's a moment I love where he's chasing the bad guy in the truck and the bad guy's like, you'll never take me alive. And he like means it. And he straight up tries to kill himself by driving off a bridge. These and artists. Succeeds, apparently. He just so dies dramatic. in that river. And like they don't mention it because he's a horrible Jewish. It's like a horrible Jewish stereotype for no reason. I kind of wondered. I, yeah, I didn't know if he was like. He is with the little yarmulke hat and the hook nose. And he looks I like got a whiff Gargamel. of that. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't want to mention the... it, but I, I definitely sensed that. I, I didn't know if they were being like, okay, this is just some sort of artist cap to keep plaster out of your hair. And also he's meant to be like this effete European type or right. just straight up anti-Semitism. And I was reading it and my, I like, I was catching up like, ten, <laughs> it was like catching up 10 minutes before the podcast with my girlfriend's Jewish and I'm reading it and I'm like, and I'm like, please don't look over. Please don't look over. Don't, <laughs> don't break up with me. And you didn't get her uh, opinion as a, is a, a son so, of Abraham. So, honey, no, uh, no, this is actually funny. Guy... The irony, the irony of it is that I know more about Judaism than she does, and I'm like always explaining things because as a Catholic, you have to learn all this stuff. And so, you're telling me you mansplain your your I own I go explain Judaism to her, to her. <laughs> and she and tolerates it because she's a saint. So the puppeteer is uh, basically dragging this guy across town on his rainbow bridge. And every, like it, they're kind of slow to work it out. They're kind of like, hey, there's a new statue that came from nowhere that looks exactly like your daughter. What's up with that? They bust it open. And the guy's like very wisely got a chisel. And he's like, let me, let me just like get the shell off. Yeah. And he's like, you'll never do that. And he punches through it with his haymaker. <laughs> With no regard for the young woman inside, but uh, it works out her okay. Straight unconscious. Yeah, she has he knocks her into a coma. Her up pretty good. Into a coma. Yeah. Or you don't normally see that kind of thing. Like you would think, all these comic book heroes would have accidents like that all the time. Like Colossus would pick up a young child to hug him and just like rip him in half. But like this is one of those moments where he punches a girl out of a statue and she goes into a coma. Like they show this <laughs> mistake they didn't have to show. <laughs> it's just very, very real moment in the life of the puppeteer. That must I'm, happen to I'm him all day. I'm convinced this comic is like some Charlie Kaufman shit, <laughs> and and he's really the bad guy, but we're seeing it from his point of view. Right. Mm. Like, come on, the puppet thing, the bugging young teenage girls, knocking them out with his crazy powers, right. attacking Jews. Like his enemies are. This literally is this is our villain. This is our villain, and this is how he sees the world. <laughs> I like your take. So then we cut to the studio and this is where things get kind of like weirdly uncomfortable politically, but Raven breaks into the studio and no one notices. And this guy who is an unsuccessful artist, but also can afford two henchmen (laughs) is, is arguing that his skills as a sculptor are also just coding people in some kind of like expandy foam. And, and he sucker punch it sucker dumps a bucket of it onto the puppeteer who is really just unprepared for this completely yeah a bucket of plaster paris on the puppeteer he's just stuck prior to this i was like the puppeteer is like esoteric but he gets the results and this is really the moment where i lost a lot of respect they load him into the car and raven the real hero of this story uh attacks everybody which breaks the puppeteer free and he starts breaking dude's jaws and like launching him across the street. And that's when our villain who, I don't even know if he ever got a name, uh, just straight up commits suicide. 
Yeah, he doesn't right. even try to fight. He's just like, well, yeah, suicide for me. He's like, I can't fight a man who can summon rainbows. That's like, come on. And you're a bucket of plaster at him. I mean, that's what else could you do? That yeah. was my one thing. I, I covered him in my strongest plaster, and he still was set free by a bird. Like they, that's not honestly a realistic assessment of your odds at that point. So the See, this, this reminds me of my favorite cartoon, which is the '60s Birdman cartoon, where uh, Birdman would always just get immediately caught in a trap and an avenger his bird would come in and, and rescue him and so like i really like this structure as this yeah maybe birds used to do shit back then maybe like back in the day we we had pet birds that actually helped in the 60s you were either a falconer or you were dead and that's about the end it's just it's just you know it's all done with the act three after that he just saves the girl and delivers a stern lecture on the morality of yeah, trusting little... puppeteers it does just kind of end, huh? He just kind of yeah, like that's that's how comics used to just stop. I mean, you you killed the villain, save the girl. Uh, see you next time. Bye. I mean, it's the puppeteer. What can, what else can you say? He uh he gives little puppets of himself to teenage girls with microphones in them so you can listen to them <laughs> masturbate, and then he plays the organ to power up. I like to think he's still out there, and he's the Avengers story is completely insane, but at least it had little little denouement. You know, what it I mean? was self-contained. Like, yeah, a baseball game to sort of like. What you didn't see was the puppeteer was actually in the nosebleed seats at Astro Stadium. <laughs> I don't want to join the Avengers, nor was I invited. But I am having a lovely time. <laughs> However, if a young lady is encased in plaster, I know who they'll call. <laughs> He's just got like 40 speakers of all the puppets listening to the girls. <laughs> all my good girls know to tell me when there's a crime. <laughs> just a just a creep. Just a creep. Probably found it. Classic. That NXIVM code. You just—they don't make them like that anymore. Yeah. Quality, quality creep. But what do they make them like these days, Brockway? Why don't you show us a 21st century example? That was a really nice transition. That's our excellent segue. Thanks, man. I'm a pro. I will not be segued, you piece of shit. We're still going to talk about the puppeteer. <laughs> What's his motivation? Who's his mother? You dare segue me. Uh, are we doing both games? You know, Just to remind me of my failure. You're going to go first again as the loser, Brendan. Uh, 1 through 157. Oh, man. I'm the trumpet today. Okay. Uh, 1 through 1... Uh, let's go big. Let's go 156. Oh, you're going to love this. Jellied Sunshine. Uh, <laughs> oh, I think I says, win. <laughs> it says the preparation is child's play. It's a fresh tasting golden yellow dessert based on jelly and fresh mango. Question, okay. how much urine is in this recipe? Um, it says seven gallons. <laughs> oh, that's a lot. That's, that's a big well, microwave. It reduces. It's right. a reduction. <laughs> So here's how you make it. You take four cubes of lemon jelly and a mango, and you microwave it. It's <laughs> 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 a fucking crazy shit. <laughs> Eleven days of sad dessert for one. I dare you to beat that. <laughs> oh, that was that strong. God damn. No, no, confidence. Confidence was working for me. There has to be something sadder in this book. What a a terrible way to end. (laughs) You're supposed to go big. That was was big. Reduce it into just a burned husk that will never come out of your microwave. 
Mm, Mom, you microwaved my Jello. Oh, 101. How about page 101? 101. Okay. <laughs> Cheese sauce for everything. Preparation oh, fairly quick and trouble free. Uh, here it is. You're going to love this. Two large slices of processed cheese, four tablespoons of milk, <laughs> a teaspoon of powder mustard, and you microwave it. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, microwave? Like, is that anybody actually microwave cheese? That's the worst. I can't believe how bad both of those ideas are. It you know separates what? into like solid and oil and coagulant. Yeah. Like it's the worst thing. And then there's also the two worst things to microwave are jelly and cheese. I found a way to process your processed food some more. <laughs> those are both real bummers. I'm going to call it a tie. We're going to have to do a third round. <laughs> Every one of these recipes is the last thing you would find when inspecting a suicide in an RV. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's a cold jello yes. mold in the microwave. God damn, I had nothing makes me sad. Yeah. That is classic oh, RV died. tragedy. Woo! I give right. up on life after that recipe. All right, well, let me let me bring you back with uh I'm bringing X-Men Holy War. Mm. I'm bringing in this this Robert, I have thoughts. Brought... Now, Brendan, were you familiar with this uh storyline before we No, the last X-Men storyline I really read was the Grant Morrison stuff, which was right before this one. So right. when this, when I saw Mr. Brockway's selection, I thought, how bad can a 21st century expect? Oh, it's right. Chuck Austin. Yep. <laughs> that well, explained it. You see, I, I knew you were a Catholic, so I wanted to pick something that would specifically target you. Hmm. This story. Well, I'd rather be the Nightcrawler than the Trump, so let's go. I have no idea how this story got published. Uh, it, it's like almost a hate crime. Almost. Basically. It's so uh, unpleasant. <laughs> it's so bad and it starts so bad. Here's how it starts. Most people are, sorry, more people have died from religion <laughs> than cancer. And we try to cure cancer. Okay. This was 2003. <laughs> so you could just Google how many people have died from cancer versus religion? And I promise you, uh, the author is not right. <laughs> like, he's wrong even for a 14-year-old. Like, right. if a 14-year-old said that to you, you would not roll your eyes and be like, that's normal 14-year-old shit. You'd have yeah. to be like, we, this is pretty fucking stupid. We yeah. are one panel into this comic, and we already have Sean Baby defending organized religion. That's the power of <laughs> Chuck Austin. Sean was right, the I'm first not... atheist I ever encountered on the internet in like 1998. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, I'm definitely an atheist myself and I'm going to jump to organized religion's defense because this is the dumbest way to attack it. They're right. just throughout this comic, all throughout, like I, I swear to God, 30% of the word count of this comic is just barely relevant Bible quotes yeah. that are said in like a shitty voice. I don't know how you, I don't know how you do that in a comic. But you can just sense the text is meant to be read in a shitty voice. <laughs> right, like because Nightcrawler is a, a Christian character and that kind of comes up a lot. But then Havoc drops the, his knowledge that like, oh, I also have the Bible memorized. And so they have like dueling Bible quotes. Yeah. Through, throughout, like not, not once, just constantly <clears throat> Bible so quoting at each other like, like a fucking Mensa meeting at, this was at the Denny's. It is unsufferable. 
This, it was I, actually, an interesting concept to be like, what if we had the X-Men, but everyone was speaking entirely in Bible quotes? I set a rule for myself because Chuck Austin's kind of known for being like, he writes heroes who kind of make you hate them really quickly. Like right. he's kind of like a Mark Miller minus the big moments. So I was like, I'm not going to just like take a swing at anything that's in here. I'm going to like make it work. I'm going to have to be like, take everything in the, in the benefit of appreciation and then only what sucks will remain. So the first issue, it kind of went okay for me, but wow. shit blew off when that Bible quote <laughs> competition started dueling. <laughs> You're skipping way ahead, though. I still want to talk yeah, about the very start of it. We are right at the start. Yeah, Bible, we're still on page one. Religion killing more people than cancer is ludicrous. But more ludicrous is when they introduce Wolverine and it says, uh, Logan, often called Wolverine because he's short, tough, and has these 100-inch claws that shoot out of each hand. And that's a direct quote. 100 <laughs> inches. Which means, like, it, the author thinks those are eight feet long. <laughs> that... That's what 100 inches is, Chuck Austin. Well, well, the the whole introduction of this is done through Nightcrawler's mental monologue. So it is possible that Nightcrawler is just rock fucking stupid. See, I thought this was Chuck Austin because it doesn't sound like Nightcrawler. Well, no, because Chuck Austin's a bad writer and can't Well, okay, that explains it. But... <laughs> there's a clue a little bit later after they uh, they find uh, all of their mutant friends crucified to death on the front lawn. Nightcrawler narrates himself. He says, I'm your narrator, Nightcrawler. And, ah. Nightcrawler, and uh, the women that I have sex with call me Blueberry Muffin. Mm-hmm. And he says that as he's looking at the crucified corpses. Because that's, uh, right. That's the other thing. The tone is very off because they do find some crucified corpses. And they're, they're, they're real cute. The captions are really cute. Yeah. yeah and the artist knew to attack the scene with some sort of like shock or at least... I don't know, surprise. So these all the characters are like gaping at these dead bodies of their friends. And and then Chuck Austin came in with these little captions of like, you know, loves tuna fish. It's very Chuck to be like, this doesn't quite fit what's happening at the moment. Everything's right. strangely like, uh, have you met a human being kind of? But yeah, it is also very Chuck to not like the women very much and to put words into their mouth because Dude, like. This guy hates they me ask, so They much. ask her. They asked Jean Ray to telepathically. Oh my God. Cyclops asks her. And the first thing she says is like totally bitches out on him. Like, well, you could say, please. Yeah. She's way way to say, please. She goes, how could I refuse such a polite request? You're the only one with telepathy. Half a dozen of our friends are hanging in front of us. Just do it. Like, I don't know. This isn't, this isn't about our marriage, Jean. (laughs) He's the leader of a paramilitary group. She has to be, she has to be a bitch to him. Follow to, the chain of we command. Need to know that. But can we at least give it to the Church of Humanity? They managed to crucify half a dozen people on the X-Men's front lawn without them noticing. Yeah. That takes a and certain with, amount of skill. With zero powers yeah. and, and zero apparently training, as we'll see as we'll see later. <laughs> uh, anyway, several several of the mutants are saved by a blood transfusion from Archangel, which is how on the nose this comic is going to be for the duration. <laughs> Uh, the church, like you said, the Church of Humanity is behind the tax, and uh, they they track them down because Nightcrawler tells the, the team, like, "Oh yeah, I didn't mention I became a priest." Uh, to I, which Cyclops I, basically I do, says, "I would like to pause here. Uh, you're skipping over another one of my favorite parts, where Angel, while he's giving a blood transfusion to like twenty different people at once, tells the nurse that, "Oh, Chamber loves you," and Chamber's the 
mutant that doesn't have the bottom half of a face. He's like seeping energy out of his head. And the nurse screams, what? The kid without a mouth? Please, there's nothing to kiss. If you knew anything about women, handsome, you'd know there's nothing more important than a man who can kiss. Right, That's because a she's a woman and, and they are bitches. He is 15 feet away, not behind a wall, listening with energy just juicing out of his face in every direction. And I, I just love that so much, that this woman is loudly announcing how she could never love a man without a mouth. Well, he's standing in her eyeline. Anyway. So that's Chuck Austin, everybody. Chuck Austin. How Chuck Austin views women. <laughs> just, even the superpowered ones, the generous nurses, they're just, just ceaseless harpies. Just way to remind Shaver he can never go down on a woman. Just your your complete inadequacy. It's, he would blow her pelvis off. Just. He has, he has no choice but to fuck like a monster. He uh. must. No, no backup plans for him. He has to go anyway, ass to uh, ass like a frog. But not like Toad, who actually has a very long tongue and can do a great many things. Welcome back to the X-Men Sex Hour. I'm your host, Brendan McGinley. Chuck Austin. I guarantee you Chuck Austin has has a long pitch that he's prepared for exactly this storyline. Like, how all of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants fuck. If we had had any comedic sensibilities as a podcast, we would just end it right there on ass to ass like a frog. (laughs) And I want to thank our hot dog Supremes at this point. Cue the theme song. 1900 hot dog. Our podcast slams with maximum height. Say hot dog podcast. Word. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Dog Zone 9000 podcast. Uh, please visit 1900hotdog.com. Uh, we love this job and the business model only works because of your support. Uh, we'd like to thank our hot dog supreme patrons, Doug Redmond, Jamie Gordon, Benjamin Cyrannan, Dr. Awkward, Ken Paisley, Josh S. Yosarian, Zachary Evans, Adrian Hisbrook, Aiden Muat, Mike Stiles, Toasty God, Josh Fabian, Neil Bailey, Eric Spaulding, the artist formerly known as Devin, David Forniff, Yabra Al Aiden, Neil Schaefer, Micah Phillips, Zadar Fan, Polly Poiswo, Lyman, Armando Nava, John McCammon, Yanis Ianitis, Jeff Atwood, John, Nick Ralston, Dean Costello, Rhea, Hawk, Three Finger Louie, Timmy Leahy, Brianne Whitney, Matt Riley, and Nick H. Thank you again, and we will see you in about a month and every weekday on the website. Bye. If we had if we had any comedic sensibilities as a podcast, we would just end it right there on Ask to Ask Like a Frog. <laughs>